0: Another edition of the Core 4 podcast. This is a podcast under SB Nations Grizzly Bear Blues. You can find them on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. You can find the Core 4 and GBB Live on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, which is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Megaphone. So give those a listen, subscribe, like, comment, gas us up. You know what it is. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me today is none other than Father Abraham, Brandon Abraham.
1: How you doing, Parker?
0: Not too bad, you know, we're just sitting here enjoying some Memphis Grizzlies Summer League
1: basketball. A little bit of Memphis Grizzlies, a little bit of Memphis Hustle, uh, pretty good game right now.
0: It's it's all right. I mean, you're, you're used to, you know, subpar <laughs> basketball with covering the Hustle full time, but... At least we get to see,
1: like, Grayson Allen and Brandon Clark. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's great. You have guys like Ivan Rab, who, you know, I think we're going to get into a little bit later, who may or may not be on the roster next year. It's kind of a chance for him to prove his worth, um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, Grayson Allen kind of gets a head start of trying to fight for minutes next year's rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so just what are some things
0: you just pick out? Let's start with Grayson Allen in his game. Like, what are some things that you've seen that you're like, oh, this could actually be good for next season? And some were just like, all right, this is where you need to work on a lot.
1: Well, the uh, if, you're, if you're a summer league viewer that doesn't really watch the games, but you just check the box scores, um, his shooting numbers haven't been fantastic. Um so far in tonight's game, um, at the time of this recording, they're playing the Suns. They're up 66-56 to 56 with about eight and a half minutes left. You know, Grayson's shooting three or seven from the field, one of three from deep. And I don't think he shot it super great the first game either. But really, a lot of them are good looks. They're shots the Grizzlies are going to want him to take, especially in a summer league environment. But if I want to nitpick, I'd say, you know, he's got to hit those shots. I mean, he's really been fine, you know, kind of you know adjusting to being traded right before summer league you know playing with guys he's never played before in his life it's not an easy transition but he's been fine defensively um I think you know with a shooter like him the shot's going to fall eventually it may not be falling right now but we may be looking back a week from now at the end of Vegas and talking about how great Grayson Allen played Um, Mm -hmm. but I think he's gotten good shots up he's gotten good looks he's played hard to try and kind of, you know, get in a good rhythm. I think he's played pretty well so far in the game and, you know, almost two games worth we've seen him.
0: Exactly. And I was watching more of the other night, Sunday night's game. That was where I was honestly more like paying attention because I did want to see how guys like Brandon Clark and Grayson Allen, and I hadn't even seen Utah or concar play at all either so i kind of wanted to just get a feel out for like our two-way guys our new guys and one thing i was very surprised with grayson was his ability to read the pick and rolls really well as the as a pick and roll ball handler i mean that's not something he's gonna be doing a lot with the grizzlies but the fact that he can is promising he was making very good reads over to brandon clark And you uh, Yuta Watanabe, he had a really nice offensive possession at the beginning of the game where he just whipped a pass between two guys and got an easy layup for Yuta. And then he's also, granted, his efficiency at the rim hasn't been great, whether that's by contact or actually getting blocked. But he's getting to the rim and he converted on three and ones the other night. And he's also crafty as well, so he may not go all the way at and attack the rim, but he can maybe get you you know, that kind of Binu Udre mid-range jumper around the paint.
1: Yeah, he, so, he kind of to your point, he's, he he kind of knows his limitations. He knows he's not really going to beat a lot of athletic defenders off the dribble or on dribble drive moves. So he's going to be crafty with good footwork, good maneuvering, kind of, you know, if he sees a guy leaning towards the paint, you know, he may kind of stop on a hop and, you know, have a mid-range pull up or, you know, a little floater. I mean, he's a smart player. And, and to your point, you know, he may not be doing a whole lot of pick and roll initiating, but you know if he has the ability to, to where even if it just gives you know Ja Morant, you know potentially Tyus Jones or whoever's running point for Memphis next year, you know give them a possession or two to not have to have the burden of carrying the offense. You know if Grayson can be the ball handler for pick and roll for mm-hmm. a lob to Jaron or Brandon Clark or just do something. You know it never hurts to have your two guard have the dribbling ability and. You know, ability to kind of run offense like a point guard. Mm-hmm. It, it's, if anything, it just shows good signs, even if it's not something that's going to be used often early in the season. Right, and it's also a
0: thing, too, where I've seen a, a bit of a component in modern offenses. It's, it's that side pick and roll, and we're going to have very good. For one, Jaron Jackson can be a very good pop, and he can roll also. But you have one of the best screen setters in Jonas Valanciunas, and then Brandon Clark, his vertical spacing is unreal. So like having a, a player at the two guard that can run the pick and roll and either score out of it or drop a dime, that's super clutch. And so one question I want to ask, to kind of like wrap up our great sound talk here, is um, as starting two guard spot, it's very iffy, and it's not you know, really set in stone. I mean, you kind of know Joss should be starting. Yeah. Jo- uh, Jaron, Jonas, I would start – Jay Crowder about I can see them starting Kyle Anderson too, so it kind of leaves that two guard. It's like Grayson, Dylan, or Josh Jackson. I think Josh Jackson's more of a three, yeah. but between Grayson and Dylan, like who would you rather have starting opening
1: night? I uh, I would assume Dylan will get the nod from the get go, assuming you know he's healthy. Um, just kind of a little bit more of his experience Ooh. as Grayson finishes a tough and one as Ooh. we're recording. Oh, um, saucy! So I'm not going to change my answer. I'm not going to overreact from that beautiful play. But I think Dylan will probably start day one just because, even though it's a new offense with Taylor Jenkins, you know, there's at least a little bit of continuity with Dylan Brooks on the roster. So I think um, Dylan might start out, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know, Grayson gets some spot starts or, um, you know, fills in, maybe plays more minutes if Dylan's having an off-shooting night. Um, Because kind of one thing I know we've kind of talked off-air a lot, you know, over the past year since you joined GBB, is starting isn't as important as finishing the game. So there could be... I think there's more likely the chance that because of his shooting ability that Grayson ends games, that Dylan starts. Right. And also... One thing I've also seen,
0: like in article like columns both from like local guys, mainly local guys, is that Grayson's really focusing on the defensive end. So if he can actually be a plus, a plus ish defender. Which, I mean, Dylan's right now probably average at best. I mean, they're both not great defenders, but I think it might come down to who's hitting shots and who's a better defender. Yeah,
1: and. It'll be, uh, and it, honestly, it's where Jenkins can kind of decide on a nightly basis. I don't think there's too much of a difference between each player to where it's, you know, clear one should play over the other on a nightly basis. I think it's, you know, who's playing better that night, and that's who Jenkins is going to roll with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so another player I want to talk about where it's really weird
0: because some like when most people are like laying out their depth chart, I've seen some people have him in the third string, where right now he's kind of showing he should get a lot of minutes. That's Brandon Clark.
1: Brandon Clark's really good. He is awesome. (laughs) I, I, I mean, just from really almost two games, like we've said, Brandon Clark has, as much as Mr. Hustle himself hates to say it, Ivan Rab might be seeing the door with his partially guaranteed contract coming up in a about a week. Is and it a half. partial or a like complete non-guarantee? I, I think it's
0: partial, but I don't know for sure. So um, I've seen like when people like do the like the roster like layout. It says NG next to his name for that, non-guarantee. That would be
1: non-guaranteed. I just know. I can
0: see a partial guarantee. I would think it's partial.
1: I, it's. I mean, he's, he's on his rookie second-round pick deal, so it's it's kind of one of those where it's not much regardless, mm-hmm. but they could save some money waiving him as well as a roster spot, which I think as of right now, since they haven't officially waived Dwight, they're at 17. Um, but I think with – Is that form, counting Tyus, though? Uh, Potentially Tyus. Ah, n- oh, crap. Now I'm trying to do it all in my head real quick. It might be it might be counting Tyus. I don't know. Um, I think I think so because I think when I originally had 17, I was including Delon, which mm-hmm. was so that's basically a trade off, um, a trade off there. But I mean, I think Clark has just shown already in two games that he's going to be really good defensively. He's going to be smart offensively. He may not score a ton every night in the NBA, but he's highly efficient. He knows what shots to take and which which ones not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not anything to discredit Rab, as it is. Just Clark's you know, awesome. Clark's awesome. Clark's great. I, th- I think Rab, you know, like someone like the Spurs would be a great landing spot for him. Somewhere where they aren't trying to run up and down the court, but you know, in a Taylor Jenkins style offense, Clark's perfect because he's mm-hmm. he's able to play in a sl- you know slower paced offense. You know, get some good shots, set solid sh- screens. Dude can fly too. So he's mm-hmm. going to run up and down the court, you know, whereas Rab's not slow, but Clark's just faster and fits an up tempo style pace better. So Clark's been very impressive mm-hmm. so far.
0: One component of Jenkinson's offense that I'm really interested to see um, translates to the main roster is they're not running a lot of players at the low post, where that was a staple for the Grizzlies. Like you will always have somebody on the low block. And so I feel like that as far as just like having Clark linger around that like the high post, top of the key area when nobody down low it just opens up so much potential for him as a role man. Mm-hmm.
1: So and, and, and he'll have the ability to make, you know, I kind of like calling the Tony Allen cuts where they just kind of come out of nowhere, but, you know, Tony Allen's still there. right there, right at the basket. You pass it to him for a quick layup or dunk. I think Clark has a the potential, you know, with his three-point shot and it not being great, um, you know, if he can, like you said, if he can kind of hover, you know, kind of let his defender get lost ball watching, he has Mm -hmm. plenty of cutting opportunities as well as being, you know, the the screener on a pick and roll. Mm -hmm. And also it's one of those things too, where like he could benefit off those
0: cuts because John Morant's gonna generate a lot of attention, but also John Morant's a great passer. He might be a top 10 passer in the NBA already next year. You also have Tyus Jones, who is a very good distributor. He doesn't turn the ball at all, off turn the ball often at all. I mean, I think he just came off the best season of all time in assist-to-turnover ratio. That's all a crazier stat where his assist-to-turnover ratio is even better as a
1: starter. That, which is crazy to think about. That's insane. Especially on a... It's like close to seven. Yeah. On, on a team like Minnesota, too, where... You know, like I, I could maybe see it on a, a team like Golden State. You could have an insane assist to turnover ratio just from kind of getting, you know, easy passes to someone, and they make a good three. Like Minnesota, where you know, like Cat does a lot of work. You know, not necessarily one on one, but you know, it's not, you know, it's not like you're I mean, it just pretty much shows mm-hmm. Tyce is an elite passer. He's good. He's smart. He makes good decisions because that Timberwolves team doesn't have elite talent to mm-hmm. where he's he's setting up his players in good spots to. You know, not only have a chance to score, but they're finishing those good passes because right. you know, there's a lot of times. You know, you see players make good passes and they miss the shot. If you have a you know six or seven to one turnover ratio, you're setting guys up to finish their shots. Exactly, and so with so like with Clark and his cutting ability and his
0: ability in pick and roll, you have those two, but you also have somebody. You also have Kyle Anderson. He's a very good passer for his position as well, so Clark could benefit off of a lot of easy shots. Mm-hmm. And somewhere, I mean, he might even just average ten to twelve points a game just because he knows where to be at the right time. Yeah. He has such high efficiency at the rim, but he also like has flash a little bit of an ability to just. He's not going to be. Not he's not going to be foolish with it, but he knows when to pick a defender off and just like oh I'm going to drive on you because you're you're not really paying attention yeah yeah you're giving me an opening and I'm just gonna come in and I'm just gonna
1: drive by you and dunk it yeah that I mean, easy it's he, he's a super high IQ player and I think that's gonna set him up to succeed I mean as we've talked a lot I, I'm not a you know proponent of oh my gosh like this guy's a good prospect but he's you know 21 22 and not 18 19 and oh no we shouldn't take him like Like, Clark's a good player. Mm -hmm. Cut and dry, it's easy. He may not have the the ceiling that someone like Jaron Jackson has or John Morant, but, uh, you know, I've said this before the draft, after we drafted him, I don't see any way Brandon Clark isn't at least a decent NBA player. And on a very young team next year for the Grizzlies, I think Brandon Clark's kind of high IQ, smart, steadying presence will be welcome, although he's a rookie. I think, you know, just with how smart he is, that's going to be a, a good thing for the Grizzlies this next year. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a word that
0: it triggers a lot of people as far as player evaluation, that's ceiling.
1: What is your ceiling for Brandon Clark? Man, I don't know. That, that's, that's a tough question because, you know, in a sense, he almost reminds me of Jaron Jackson where... He can be more offensively than what he did at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. similar to how Jaron was clearly at this point misused by Tom Izzo at Michigan State. Um, I, this is probably too high of a ceiling, but I don't see why he couldn't play kind of a similar role to what like Al Horford played for Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, this the past few years where you know Horford was never the star player, the the guy that got, you know, when you think Boston, you think Al Horford, but he was smart, kind of really anchored the defense for Boston, and was so smart offensively as well. Now like he's a little bit better of a passion than I think Clark will ever be, but mm. it, I don't see why he can't kind of be that guy that doesn't have, I mean, he has great athleticism, but you know, kind of the guy that is none more for being a smart, high IQ player than ath- athletic in a sense, so. I guess in a long-winded way, he could be a mini Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess larger Al Horford because yeah. he's bigger, but you know, you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I, I think those are both very good comps. I know the last time we talked about it on the Core Four, Nate said Draymond Green. I said kind of remind like I know the Ringer has him like Paul Millsap and Pascal Siakam. I also think maybe Kuzma. That's an elite yeah. defender. I, like a Kuzman that plays defense, yeah. I think like a little less offensive talent, but I don't know how much less offensive talent. I mean, I mean, because just because Kuzman can create off the dribble, he can shoot threes, but I, I feel like there's a very similar profile to where both players, almost those things where they come into lead and you're just like, holy shit, holy shit! Like I, I didn't know they could do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of like what I was saying earlier about how you know Jaron last year surprises with a lot of what he could do offensively. I think Clark can do the same this year for the Grizzlies. I mean, just in one-and-a-half summer league games, like, he's already got, now granted, summer league defenders kind of, you know, biting at his pump fakes from deep. Mm-hmm. And earlier tonight, you know, he had, like, a... not even a full pump fake, but just, you know, enough movement to get the defender leaning one way. Took the dude off the dribble for a tough, you know, finish at the rim. Like, I mean, I just think he's... He may not have, you know, the ceiling of, oh, he's going to be super athletic, you know, perennial all-star type player, but, I mean, I think he could be a damn good player in this league, just with how smart he is combined Mm -hmm. with his athletic ability. I think he'd be a very good third fiddle next to Jaron and Ja Yeah, and, I mean, I think he's set up great to be that third fiddle, like you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see any way it doesn't at least turn out to where he's a solid role player for the Grizzlies. Right. And so we're going to take a quick ad
0: break. But when we get back, we got some more summer league talk. All right, we're back. So at the beginning of the show, I kind of mentioned I never... have I haven't gotten really a chance to watch Conchar and Yuta, but I love what I'm seeing. So I'm saying it right, Conchar, right? Honestly, Concar, I have no Con- idea.
1: <laughs> isn't his first name John? It's John. Can we just call him John? I- I've been calling him John because... John Kahn let's we'll just call him John Con. anytime I've seen anyone pronounce his last name it's it's a different, different. it's yeah. different um, I think I've been saying Concher, but I have no way of knowing if mm-hmm. I'm right or wrong um, but Yuda, Yuta's kind of showing the player the hustle have seen for the greater part of the past year um, albeit obviously against you know depending on who's matched up against lesser or greater talent but it, it my biggest thing from covering the hustle all of last year and then watching Uta play in the summer league is his willingness to take over. Mm-hmm. So with Brad Jones, who is on the Grizzlies summer league staff, the head coach of the hustle, um, preached a lot about with Uta, he reminded himself a lot of Mark Gasol, um, where he had the ability to take over and be a you know, great offensive player but was just so unselfish, You know he never did it. hmm so far in the Summer League, you know, with, you, with the Salt Lake City Summer League and now Vegas, he, he's being aggressive. He's, mm-hmm. You know, it's very clear. Someone has told him, don't be selfless. Like, we know you can make good passes, we know you can play good defense. Like, go out there and score. And what's impressed me the most has been his versatility. So, even just watching one game, like, even if you just watch one game of UDO, they have him being the ball handler on a pick and roll, initiating the offense. They'll have him being the guy setting the screen on the pick and roll or, you know, down screens, down in the paint. Like, he's doing almost a little bit of everything for the Grizzlies, and his versatility has just really stood out. He can do a whole lot of everything. He can really kind of play the two and three spot in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You can survive with him at the four. Um, And I guess, you know, in the honor of the ringer and— all, all things that way. You can't do a podcast appearance without having some sort of spicy hot take. So I, mm. I, I think my, uh, my uh, spice. spice alert for next year will be that, that going into the year, it would make sense to keep Utah on the two-way deal. But after the trade deadline, when you're assuming at that point the expiring contracts are flipped for future players and whatnot... I think they convert Yuda's two-way deal, and he might even be starting at the two-guard spot by the end of the year. Ooh, at the two-guard? I, I mean, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier in the in the podcast, having Ooh. someone at the two who can initiate the offense, I, I think Utah could do that and allow Ja to play off-ball, and I, that would depend a lot on Ja improving as a three-point shooter. But it's summer league, so... Why the hell not? Kind of predict that Uda might be the starting two guard by the end of the year for a rebuilding Grizzly squad. Wow, wow! I think it'd be spicier, spicier, and like
0: kind of like believable to say that he's just going to start over Cal Anderson at the three,
1: even after they trade Jay Crowder.
0: If they it, trade Jake Crowder, it'd be
1: it'd be very spicy. I don't, I don't, I don't it's feel that ballsy yet. I'm not going to fall into the. Uh, I fell into the year Josh Selby was a Summer League star. I was like, yeah, this guy's legit. The Grizzlies are going to be good. And then, as we all know, Selby turns out, despite being a co-Summer League MVP, sucked. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think Utah has more. You can just kind of tell. Like, There's one thing to be a bucket-getter like Selby was, and there's another to be a smart, well-rounded player like Utah, um, which, as a side note, was fun watching all the commentators in Utah pronounce his name as Utah. Mm -hmm. Watanabe Um, but I I really do think I think Yuta's been very impressive this summer league kind of showing the willingness to try and be more aggressive on the offensive end he's a solid defender he's another high IQ player that will fit alongside a guy like Brandon Clark you know Jaron Jackson John Morant I think think they kind of found a, a keeper in him last year absolutely and I really
0: did like his ability to create off the dribble shoot from three he could probably defend across all five positions once he puts on a little bit more muscle. I mean, he's a good player. I, I think it. I feel like with this, uh, like we're calling him John Kahn, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We we'll call him John Con. John Kahn. So with him in Utah, it kind of gives. You, remember, we've talked about this before, to where I really like the way Denver's two way system works, where basically their two way player ends up becoming a rotation player. And I feel like that's what we've seen out of these two guys, even though it's Summer League. For one, you didn't even play against Phoenix. Is it one of those things where he's already just too good for Summer League? like, Or are they just kind of like, all right, let me get these other guys
1: in? I think Maybe. it's a mix. I think by the end of Vegas, he'll probably be kind of quote-unquote shut down. Uh, I think tonight might have just been a – he played the first game, so they had their set rotations for the first few games. Right. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get to the point to where, hey, you've shown us enough. Let's see what we got. You know, more so in Grayson Allen, Con, John Kahn, um, and even guys like uh, Allen, Tyler Harvey, who played for the Hustle. And Dusty. Got, you got Paris Lee, who played well in Utah. Um, you know, so they may give some of the other guys a chance. Like even if the Grizzlies don't have much of a need for them in the immediate or far future kind of give other guys a chance to shine, mm-hmm. and it also kind of gives the you know the coaches a chance to develop these players and kind of show off their coaching skills. Right. And
0: so just like transitioning over to John Conn real quick, he's not flashy not at, all. at all. Not at all, but goodness gracious, he's efficient. I, I looked at his box score, and he didn't score. He may have only had one shot at him, but he had like eight rebounds, Five assists and six steals. Yeah, he where he just goes out there and just makes basketball plays. He does the dirty work that nobody else wants to do,
1: and he, he doesn't turn the ball over either. He he's he just plays gonna good be basketball. a player, and I'm not saying he's really like Tony Allen, but you know Tony Allen Tony Allen became beloved by Grizzlies fans because he wasn't the most skilled, but he went balls to the wall and you know went 100 every possession. John Conn's going to be the same way. You know, he's going to, you know, hustle his ass off. He's going to, you know, try to make defensive plays. He's going to make a smart play offensively. Um, his three-point shooting hasn't really shown so far in the summer league. Um, I think that stroke will come because he was a pretty proficient three-point shooter. I think he shot, you know, above 34 35% all throughout college. Um, I think the shot will come to where he can at least be respectable. And I think he get to do something like Yuta did this past year where he's probably not going to see a lot of minutes for the Grizzlies. But down in South Haven, he's going to be a fan favorite. He's, he's going to look good. He's going to look good. And then by the end of the year, he might get some more minutes, you know, depending on what the Grizzlies do with their roster. And then you know, maybe this time next year, we're sitting down, having a podcast, talking about how John Con's, you know, taking that next step like Utah has this year. Hopefully, that podcast is in Vegas. That'd be pretty. Uh, that cool. would be
0: that would be lit. That would be lit. But yo, actually, I got I kind of just came up with a little comp for him. Uh, what about poor man's Ingles? That, that's actually brilliant. I mean, they both don't demand a lot of shots. Granted, Ingles' his uh, shot volume revved up when Gordon Hayward left. But they both I mean very good passers. Pre
1: Hayward leaving Ingles
0: is a great comp, like you were saying continue, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, but I was just saying just good passing. They they can shoot, but the question is, will they shoot? Good sne- sneaky good defenders. So they're not if somebody were to tell me that Joe Ingles was gonna lock up Paul George in the playoffs, <laughs> I would be like, Okay, yeah. Sure. But he, he did. Like I, I see a little some, he has a little Ingles to his game. Almost like a he, had,
1: like, he also has, like, a little batty a to him, I guess. Yeah, where he's – I mean, kind of to your point, like, he, he hasn't been aggressive enough on the offensive end to really warrant much of a worry. But defensively, he's been great. Mm. And offensively, even though he's not aggressive shooting the ball, he makes smart passes, he makes hustle plays, he knows where to be. Like, you know, it, it's little stuff like, you know, running a fast break, you know, whether it's a three-on-two or wherever – he goes to the corner so the guy can get an open layup, or vice mm-hmm. versa. Like he just knows where to be on the court. And I go, you know, a couple years ago the Grizzlies, you know, went with the route of let's sign a bunch of athletic guys and just see what the hell happens. Now they're going with, hey, let's get a bunch of smart guys and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think John Kahn is going to be a great guy to add to that, you know, potential list down the road. Um, and coming from me, who I spent a lot of my time with. GBB covering the hustle full-time. Um, I'm excited to watch them down South Haven.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to wrap up the show with this because Bruno Caboclo and Ivan Rabber both on partial guarantee or non-guaranteed deals, and those deadlines are coming up pretty quick. They do have to roster crunch a little bit. Who, who do you think is getting the ax?
1: If any. If any of them are getting the ax. I think definitely. I mean, unless... I think, you know, if we look at the Grizzlies roster right now, Iggy's going to be traded by the traded or bought out by the beginning of the season. Jay Crowder, you know, there's speculation he wants to be in Memphis. He's excited, you know, for the opportunity here. So I think, you know, Jay's kept around, you know, at least until the trade deadline and then send him to a contender. Um, so that would still leave, you know, someone needing to make the get cut. And I, I don't think Rab's going to make it. I think Bruno with his – length his size his ability to space the floor a little better he makes a few boneheaded plays offensively he's not gonna ever really be able to initiate the offense but i think he's more of a surefire you know he's he has the ability to score better than ivan and he clearly has a much better three-point stroke than ivan does and i think that on top of you know his ability to run up the court kind of leaves ivan as the odd man out I think Ivan's a really good player. I think he's a smart, high IQ guy. I think he'd be good in a system like Boston or San Antonio. I just think with the direction the Grizzlies are going, um, Bruno, kind of with his with his potential, outbeats Ivan for one of the in-the-bench roster spots.
0: Right. Ivan was really a guy that came into the league too late. He's, yeah. he's very refined in the post. And I remember even... Because he was my um, class in high school, so like a big thing for me when I was in high school when I was playing was like, who's in the ESPN top 100? Who are some guys in my cl- graduating class who can make it to the NBA and be very good? And Ivan Rabb was always in the top 10, like all these recruiting boards. And I think that's just because he had a very post heavy game and the game was still like centered around the post and he doesn't have the, the strength or the muscle to play the five but he's not spacing the
1: floor either. Mm-mm. But, I mean, he definitely deserves a spot somewhere. He, he, he's a smart enough player and, and a good enough passer. Um, it's like watching some of the summer league games, they don't always turn into assists, but he makes good passes or he makes good reads, and the, the player may not make the right cut or may not finish the layup. But, like, I mean, he's – I thought it was a little ridiculous at first When we drafted him, I saw somewhere, whether it was, you know, one of the draft broadcasts or Twitter, but like someone kind of said he was reminding them of Tim Duncan, where not elite athletically, but smart enough and had good enough fundamentals to be a good player. Was this Chauncey Billups?
0: Because I think everybody got compared to
1: a Hall of Famer in this year's draft. That wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) Um, But I I do think Ivan has the wits to be a good NBA player, but it would be on a team that runs more on a system Whereas the Grizzlies will have an offensive system, not to discredit Jenkins, but it's more of a fast-paced, up-tempo style. Whereas like I think Ivan would be a perfect fit for the Spurs mm-hmm. where they they like to play down in the low block, you know, the, the high post where Ivan can kind of, you know, similar to what Gasol did for so many years, you know, get the ball, read the defense, you know, make smart passes, make the right plays. Um, so it's really not as much of Ivan's not a good player as it is if Bruno fits what the team's trying to do now and in the future. Right. So, you really just said
0: all I can say about Ivan. I mean, we did also talk about this a lot before because you're an Ivan guy and I've always, you know, I've liked Ivan but I've always been questionable of his fit with a modern NBA, especially with like Jaron Jackson on the roster and even became more solidified when we had Brandon Clark. I think it's one of those things too where it's like, I think the, one of the two between Solomon Hill and miles plumley plus one of the two of bruno and rab will get waived like yeah. those two and i think they'll keep plumley because he's perfect insurance if valanchunas goes down yeah. if valanchunas goes down you can just throw plumley in for the first six minutes of each half and then try to just force feed Jaron minutes at the five also but you still have plumley there just kind of like take the muscle and give just take off some minutes for Jaren. Well,
1: I mean, it's similar to what Tyler Zeller did at the tail end of last year. Plumlee is big enough to stand in the paint and, you know, kind of, you know, force someone on the offensive end to go maybe second-guess their layup or shot attempt and pass it or kind of, you know, makes them think. Ivan, he has the length, but he's not really just big enough as a person to kind of make you second guess driving to the lane yet. And so, mm-hmm. to your point, Miles is just kind of the, hell, just throw him out there, keep him in the middle of the paint and, you know, work around it. Ivan, no one's gonna scare Ivan. Ian's Kanter, I remember multiple games late in the year, just ate Ivan apart. You know, big guys are gonna feast on Ivan, whereas Miles can potentially semi-hold his own. I mean he's not good but he's a
0: a big body yeah he'll set hard screens and it pays to be big it pays to be big yes sir and so we're about running out of time here so brandon if there's anything else
1: you got you need to say let it fly Uh, just plug your stuff in i was gonna say you can follow me on twitter at bc abraham um remember follow grizzly bear blues um grizzlybearblues.com on twitter at sbn grizzlies ton of great content out there um on top of everything, with breaking news, um, shams break something, then we have a news post and our opinion on it. You know, within 30 minutes max, and that's, you know, that that's even a. I'm being pretty generous, saying it's going to take 30 minutes to get that posted live. So, sick with GBB. Um, just kind of shout out the core four, Parker and Nate do great. Keep following along, listening in. It's a, it's going to be a great, great year too next year for y'all. Yes, sir. Appreciate the the
0: gas of God, Brandon <laughs> <and> Abraham. <laughs> So uh, yes, follow him on Twitter at BCAbraham, follow Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies, follow the Core Four Podcast, Twitter at the Core Four Podcast with the number four, not the word four, follow me on Twitter at Paka underscore Flocka. Make sure you're subscribing and liking and commenting on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And with that, we'll see you very soon.